Welcome to The Impact Project, the best podcast for young millennials to learn about and get involved in the business of sustainability, impact investing, and all things for a purpose. My name is Ray, and today I'm excited to be joined by Camille. Camille is the founder of Bloom Impact Investing, and in this episode, we hear firsthand from Camille her experience founding a for-purpose startup and the role Bloom is playing in helping investors put their money towards fighting climate change. We also take a deep dive into the concept of impact investing, how it works, and how you too can make a difference for your investment decisions. Now let's dive right in. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today, Camille. It's great to have you on the show. My pleasure. Um, someone who, who is quite an, I guess, an active investor, but also someone who's been trying to find ways to invest my money in a more socially conscious, contribute way. I've been super excited to get the chance to chat with you and I guess hear more about the work that you're doing um, with Bloom Impact. But I guess before we sort of dive into it, uh, I thought it'd be great to maybe take a little time to hear a little bit about your personal journey key milestones along the way and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, of course. So um, I came to impact investing, I guess, in 2019 um, when I was working for a clean tech accelerator called Energy Lab. And back then I was um, learning a lot about clean tech and clean energy um, businesses. And I just saw this huge opportunity um, coming through the clean energy transition. And like yourself, I wanted to invest my own um, money in it. And I just found it extremely difficult and complicated. I tried to invest in multiple funds and um, only to learn that I had to be a sophisticated investor, meaning that I had to be able to justify a 25 million net wealth um, and I wasn't rich enough essentially to invest in these funds. So I guess this brought me to um, impact investing and creating Bloom in the first um, instance. Mm, that's that's really awesome because I think um, up until more recently that's sort of an issue that um, myself and I, I think a few of my friends as well have had is just you know when you find this fund or a good idea out there but then there's always this minimum investing threshold of a few million and you're just like well I guess that kind of excludes me from from that option right that's um, right a lot of, a lot of um, wholesale products uh, um, starts at um, at fifty thousand dollars mm. that's not um, accessible for for everyone yeah, for, for most of us I guess um, and and the interesting thing is because retail investing is such a big thing at the moment, you know, with, with apps like Robinhood and eToro, uh, I think it's about time that that accessibility is sort of extended towards the um, impact investing uh, side of things as well. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's a very, very good point there. And, and I guess I'm curious to get your perspective on why you think finance has such an important role to play as well in terms of solving um, the issue of climate change and, and why, I guess, impact investing in particular is is, is really important in that aspect. Mm, that's a great question. Thank you. And I think um, this is exactly what brought me to the um, finance sector in the first place. Um, and I'll explain. So, in 2018, I read the UN um, IPCC climate report that essentially explained that we had 10 years left to fix climate change. 
And at this stage, I realized that the window and the chance to solve climate change would close or stay open within my lifetime. And this is when I made the switch to a career dedicated to climate impact. And whilst um, as I was doing more research to really understand how to fix, how do we go about fixing the climate? Where do we even start? Um, as individuals, I think it's easy to feel really powerless. So I started to look into systemic change and all these solutions that could um, scale and massively impact and make a dent in climate change. And finance was the really, really obvious one. Um, the um, arena uh, experts, so the leading global energy research um, body, explains that we need to invest globally $4 trillion every year in clean tech and, and clean energy um, until 2050 if we want to have a chance to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees. Mm. And we are far, far, far from this amount. So this is really, I think the big opportunity that we have investing for change and investing for climate impact. The second thing I'm going to share is that we know um, after, again, after a few years spent in the clean tech and clean energy sectors, um, I just realized that we had, and we have today all the climate solutions we need. It is not a technological problem. It is a finance um Funding, funding gap issue. So I guess Bloom is trying to bridge the gap for retail investors. And what we're saying is you can use your money power for good and investing in, um, investing in companies that address climate change at scale is one of the biggest steps we can take as individuals to positively contribute to fix climate change. Mm. And I think that's a really important mission. Um, you know, that, that $4 trillion is, is a, I guess, a bit of a staggering number. Um, and I'm sure that 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 number won't be reached just with wholesale and institutional investors. Like you definitely, I feel like you need that retail investor support there. It's just I a agree. crazy number to think about. Yeah, and, and you're right. So you, you, might, you might think at this stage, well, then retail investing is not going to move the needle if we're talking about such um, big numbers. But actually, think again, because retail investors have the power to trigger systemic change. Mm. And by this, I mean, if retail investors are starting to expect companies to have really strong um, climate impact and climate goals, then it raises the full financial sector um, in terms of expectations and reporting and in terms of standards. And this, this is where systemic change starts. When retail investors, when consumers are starting to expect better practices, think of it as um, what happened in fashion. Mm. So we all, fast fashion is now, well, literally out of fashion, although it's still, <laughs> although it's still growing fast, but we are, all consumers are now well aware of the true cost of fast fashion. Mm. Bloom's goal is to do the same for the finance industry. What mm. will happen when all consumers will be aware and demanding sustainable finance 
is tremendous. And that's really what we are working towards. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting because I guess uh, over the past few years, you've sort of seen the emergence of a lot of, for example, superannuation funds, um, like future super that are more ESG, uh, I guess, inclined just because a lot of people have become a lot more aware of where their money is going from a super perspective and have started to demand, I guess, super funds to mandate do better. ESG yeah. and to do better, exactly, with, with their investments. Um, and it's it's interesting because even from like a financial reporting perspective for a lot of listed companies now that it's you can kind of clearly see that they've in, they've started including more and more information around how they're reaching their sustainability goals and what they're achieving from an ESG perspective, whereas in the past, um, you know, a financial report would just be looking purely at the, you know, the, the bottom line and the P&L. The returns, yep. Exactly. That's right. Returns. That's right. Yeah. And now we are looking at the triple, what we call the triple bottom line. So people, um, people profit and planet. Uh, without compromise and I love that you mentioned Future Super I think they are a great example they were the first uh, would you believe the first fossil fuel free um, superannuation fund in Australia and that was seven years ago that was only seven years ago that such a fossil fuel free option existed in the superannuation industry so there is a huge, um, huge shift in consumers' expectations, but we're not there yet. Um, mm. I guess the flip side of all of this is that there is a lot of greenwashing around, um, <laughs> and that's that's because superannuation funds and financial institutions have obviously picked up on consumers' demand for green products, and unfortunately, sometimes just the ethical label. Um, is sufficient to, I guess, loom customers, and um, and and that's a shame. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, greenwashing is is just so prevalent these days. I, I guess from your personal perspective, are there sort of things that you look out for when it comes to avoiding greenwashing, or um, are there sort of like red flags or, or things that you know people should look out for when they mm. are sort of choosing where to put their money? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a. I could um, speak for an hour about this, but it's a, I'm going to share two quick tips for anyone to go um, beyond the marketing claims and really um, understand whether or not um, the, the fund claims are solid. So the first one is really simple. Just look at the holdings. All right. So if your superannuation fund um, claims to be ethical, just download the, um, the investments that are part of, of your portfolio. Have a look at the companies that um, are part of your investment and I guess make your own research and you will quickly see whether or not you feel like the claim is aligned with reality just by looking at the companies that your, um, your super or investment um, invest in. For example, it, it might say, socially responsible option and in there you you notice that there are a few um there are a few fossil fuel companies like Rio Tinto and you don't feel like that that's aligned with socially responsible then you have to switch mm. the second one um is a little bit more tricky but fascinating I would encourage anyone to have a look at the voting um records 
And this, what, what is this? Um, the voting rec records track how your investment provider um, has voted for shareholder resolutions. Mm -hmm. So it's actually a fascinating um Fascinate, fascinating thing to to um, to look at. Future Super make um, and Australian Ethical, for example, make their uh, voting records um, available to the public, and you can see if they are voting for or against ESG, so environmental, social, and governance um, resolutions. Yeah, I think that's really helpful, especially the, the the second one, which just because I guess it's not something that I initially would have thought of, um, at least on the surface. And it is, I guess, a good measure of, say, you know, really, really looking at whether super funds, are, as an example, are putting, are reflecting their words and their actions almost. So, so maybe going back to um, sort of your experience in, in really co-founding uh, Bloom Impact itself, um, I'm really curious to hear a little bit more about what have been some of, I guess, the challenges and also conversely um, successes that, that you've experienced along the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it, it's been a, an interesting journey so far with a, a, a lot of joy, but also a lot of challenges for sure. So I guess I'm going to start with the challenges. The, the first one is how regulated and um, difficult the financial sector is. So this is to protect um, retail investors, which is a really good thing, right? Um, we do not want to, um, we want to do the right thing by the consumer. So there are a lot of regulations and laws in place to make sure that anyone launching a financial product um, complies with all these regulations. Um, this is a good thing, but this is also a really hard thing when you are a startup um, and, and comes comes with a lot of costs. So that was a the first um, challenge to, to overcome. The second one is, um, I guess, the network that exists in the financial sector. So you have to network a lot and it is a little bit about who you know. And I've been fortunate enough to meet um, people who were passionate about ethical investing and sustainable finance who helped me along the way and connected me with the right people. But the I would say that the financial sector is a very um, small world and uh, you have to find your way um, and you have to make the right connection. So these were the two big challenges. But then I guess related to these challenges was an opportunity for us. We because because we started from scratch and um, my background wasn't in financial services to start with. I had to build this um, network and also build our knowledge as a company. So we in 2019 we started a um, impact investing and sustainable finance meetup group. So a community that gathered every fortnight to talk about sustainable finance and impact investing. And I created this to test the market, first of all, to see if people were interested in the same topics, but also to create the place for me to learn because there was no such place when I started. There was, there was nowhere to learn about impact investing and sustainable finance. So we invited every fortnight an expert in, you know, 
sustainable superannuation, banking, um, people, experts in investing in some of the clean tech sectors that I'm passionate about. And yeah, through this, we really grow our network and our community. So mm. this has been a, a major um yeah, source of satisfaction since we started creating this community and now we have close to a thousand members that are really passionate about using their money power for good and uh, yeah clearly clearly one of the high of the of the journey so far and i imagine you would have met a lot of really interesting people um as part of that which kind of leads me into my next question which is um you know i'm curious to hear about if there's any sort of been any key mentors or people maybe you've looked up to or role models um, mm. that have supported you or helped you or inspired you along this um this this challenging often challenging journey mm, yeah absolutely yeah there's there are uh, so many it's it's hard to mention them all but I guess um one inspiration um has been William Wu um a senior portfolio analyst who is also a um, teacher at the University of um, New South Wales he's oh. an expert um in ESG and and uh, sustainable finance and he was one of the first um, guests on our webinar and our meetup group. Um, I love what he, I love what he does, and his views on ESG has um, have really inspired us here at Bloom. The second one, I guess, is um, one of my mentor who works at Climate Works. So Climate Works is a research body um, on climate science. And they've done a tremendous job in mapping the pathway for Australia to decarbonize the economy. Mm. And um, yeah, they've been a massive inspiration as well. And finally, the founders at Future Super have mm. been um, mentors of Bloom and incredible support um, for us since the beginning. They are obviously very aligned with our vision of, you know, using our money power to make a positive climate impact. So, yeah, I guess those three were the most influential um, people on my on my journey. Mm, I guess it's, it's an interesting mix of people who come from the academic field but also the direct industry itself. Um, and I, I assume that would have given you just so much perspectives and insight into the, the finance world as well. That's uh, right. So that's that's really great to hear. Now, I guess on the on the platform and the app itself uh, for Bloom, for, for our listeners, listeners out there who maybe haven't heard of the app before or maybe, say, aren't as familiar with um, how an investor app actually works uh, it would be great to hear a little bit about maybe what are some of the proposed um, key features or uh, unique things that that I guess you and I who would say if I signed up for the for the wait list um, could could look forward to of course yeah okay so the bloom impact investing app is all about making climate impact investing easy and accessible the the value you get as a consumer is you get an easy way to invest in a diversified um, climate impact portfolio. What does that mean? It means that in five minutes, you can um, download the app, 
create your accounts and get access to a diversified fund that invests in clean energy assets. So think solar farms, wind farms, um, debt to enable climate projects and a wide range of clean energy and clean tech companies globally who are listed and making a great impact and great returns at the same time. So you get access to this diversified fund that you would not find um, anywhere else on the market. And um, the other benefits include tracking your impact. So that's something we thought was really missing on all the other apps. It's easy to trade, easy to you know buy stocks online on, on platforms like eToro and such, but it's really hard when you are conscious about your climate impact and your um, carbon emissions to mm. really see where your investments are making an impact or not. And um, we also want to redesign the way the financial sector is um, building trust and, um, and I guess, then changing the narrative around impact, not mm. just updating our customers about whether their portfolios are going up and down. To us, this is kind of standard, but also bringing to life their impact. So truly explaining in plain English and with engaging content what where their money is going in, um, giving people mm. updates about the companies in their portfolio and yeah. talking about all the good works that these companies are, are having. The final piece that the Bloom app will offer that no, no other app will offer is access to the community. Um, a lot of events, a lot of content that you will only find with us. Uh, and this content is all about how to make a positive impact with your money. Although um, as well as, sorry, access to a, a wide range of sustainable finance partners. So think mm. green banking, green energy providers, um, e-mobility, all of these, all of the things that can really make a positive impact in your life. I think you've suddenly convinced me to, to sign up for the app. It's a really good point, especially around just giving people the transparency around what the actual impact of their investments are, not just from a monetary perspective. Um, for example, if I just take an example of, you know, currently I'm investing in a sustainability ETF, right? Um, but when I say log into Comsec or eTor, all I can really see from a chart is, oh, today it's, you know, it's $10, I bought it at $9.50, I'm 50 cents in profit. That's all I can really kind of, from insight perspective, gain. Um, and so I think it, it would be, you know, it, to be able to see what the actual impact on, on the environment of my investment is um, would be something that's just, I think, would add yeah. a lot That's right. That's right. And that was also my frustration when I started Bloom. Um, I also invested in um, ethical products, but I just couldn't see the link between, um, between the companies I was investing in and making a positive impact. And that's the big difference. So there's a lot of ethical products out there, um, but that positive um, impact and additionality to the investment is really hard to find. Not to mention that climate impact is complex. Climate impact is not just solar energy. 
it, it is so much com- more complex than this. It is clean water. It is energy def- efficiency. It is um, sustainable agriculture. It's a full suite of solutions that people do not necessarily know about. Mm. And also behind this true, juicy, interesting climate impact are companies that are not known of the uh, consumer. When you scratch the surface and go a little bit beyond the Tesla um, and and the big solar companies that everyone knows, it is hard as a consumer to find those companies. And this is the work that Bloom is doing. We do the research we do um, the climate impact screening so that it is easy for people to invest in the right things because at the moment it isn't. For maybe our listeners out there who aren't so familiar with the concept of impact investing, um, it would be great to sort of get your perspective on what exactly differentiates impact investing from, from regular investing, if you were to sort of summarise it at a high level. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So investing is all about, you know, um, placing a sum of money um, in the hope of making a benefit or return. This is investing, usually for the long term. Ethical investing is the concept of not investing in anything for the pure uh, financial return. It's the idea that you will put in place negative and positive um, screens. So negative screening will be, I guess, eliminating um, tobacco, weapons, um, pornography, all of the problematic industries that you might not want to invest in. Mm. This is ethical. Ethical so means screening out the bad stuff, if you wish. It doesn't necessarily mean adding to the world in a positive way. Mm. Impact investing is about bringing additionality. And additionality means making a positive impact that would have not otherwise happened without your investment, right? And it is also about measuring, it is about making a measurable and tangible impact. So additionality and measurement are the two criteria that makes impact investing. It's almost like a bit of a, I guess, a pyramid. It's starting with investing. That's right. It's the foundation and then moving up. And I think that's a great way of explaining it just because I myself also um, could never quite figure out the difference between ethical and impact investing. The two terms do get thrown around a lot. Um, And so I think it's really useful explaining that distinction. Yeah, it, it might also be worth mentioning that it is still about making a return, very much so. It is just about being even more um, ambitious in the way we invest, which which I find so exciting about impact investing. It is the same financial rigor. It is the same research for for returns for, imp- for investors. Mm. But we do so with taking into, into consideration people planet and the and people and the planet essentially and i imagine it does make it so much harder because even if you say look at for example a company like uh woolworths right um financially perhaps it's doing well um, and then on certain esg perspectives i do understand that they have a sustainability is at the core of what they do but on the other hand they also have a big gambling business so i imagine it can get quite that's right. Trying to that's, like that. that's a great 
that's a great example. Woolworth has excellent um, sustainability ratings. It is often, you will often find it in some sustainable finance portfolios, but some people draw the line at gambling um, and say, well, it has to be out of the portfolio because it supports um, supports gambling and we we disagree with that. And maybe going off that point about doing researching, I'm curious to get your perspective on what that process sort of looks like um, from what from from your experience. And I guess what are the sort of additional steps at a high level to say just doing your regular, say, financial due diligence? Do you look at specific you know, reports or sources when you go out and assess it? Assess of course. Yeah, of course. So I can share a little bit about that. So you, you start with, a, I guess, a mandate, an investment strategy about why do you invest? What are you trying to achieve in terms of impact, but also in terms of return? So this was our starting point with um, Bloom. We were impact first. We knew we wanted to invest to make a positive climate impact. So that was the starting point. Um, then you do your allocation. So you decide um, where you will invest and the portions of your investment that will go towards the defensive investment or growth investment. And this essentially comes down to your appetite and your level of risks. So for Bloom, we um, cater to a fairly young um, demographic. So our risk appetite is fairly big, hence our direction towards a growth product where the allocation will look like something like 30% defensive assets less risky investments um, but lower returns and 70 around 70% around growth. So growth typically are your equities investments, so listed companies in Australia and globally, mm. which might return higher um, returns but might be a bit more volatile, a bit more risky. Um, and so you, you, you design your mix this way. And then you put in place your ESG screening so this includes, like I said, your negative screens. Do you say 0% fossil fuel or do you say 5% fossil fuel? Do you exclude companies that do not have a woman on their board? Do you let um, companies not have a woman on their board? These, these are all the decisions that you need to make as a team. And finally, your positive screens. So what are the investments um, that you will actively seek? So for us, our positive screen is all about climate impact. We mm. actively seek renewable energy, clean water, sustainable agriculture. Um, and these are just a few examples of the positive screens that we look at. And these positive screens are all set up through solid scientific research that we have. So for now, we have relied on two fantastic climate science research, um, the Climate Works One for the Australian context and mm. the project drawdown for the international um, piece. I would highly encourage anyone to have a look at those. Um, mm. They really map out what we need, what the world needs to do to fix, to fix climate change. It's fascinating. And I think it's fascinating as well just how many different ways um, you can apply ESG screens to, to sort of align with your own personal values. Um, and so in that way, you can really tailor for each specific investor's needs and, and what, what they care about most. I think you did cover off quite a few different asset classes and topics. 
So uh, I thought it would be good to get your perspective on what are some of the key asset classes or say instruments that investors should be aware of when they're looking to say get involved with impact investing so um, for example I've heard of things like green bonds I, I think as you mentioned earlier there's um, equities um, investing directly in say like infrastructure like solar farms and um, how do those asset classes sort of differ mm. and are there I guess ones that might work better for some investors over others mm. That's, that's a great question. So my first remark to this is impact investing spans the full investment spectrum, the full asset classes. You can impact invest in any type of investment from debt to equity to corporate bonds. There is an impact investing lens to any type of investment. So that's the first point. Mm. Um the second point is, um, yes, you can invest in green bonds. There are some ETFs that look at this. Um, you can invest in listed companies generating revenue from providing a positive climate solution. There are some loans to renewable energy infrastructure that you can invest in, some debt instruments that are actually less available to retail investors. Mm. Some corporate bonds as well that are green, but again, difficult to access for retail investors. And I guess the last one is listed infrastructure equities mm. and um, clean energy projects. But typically these are asset classes that are very illiquid and therefore mm. risky and complex to access for retail investors. And this is where also Bloom six to be different and help because we blend our clean energy assets with more liquid investment we make this asset class available to retail investors an asset class that wasn't available before um, mm -hmm. to retail investors so it all depends my answer is it all depends on your risk um, appetite and on your means i would say but a common place to start is diversified um, funds or ETFs mm. that have this climate tilt. Yeah, just because I guess they don't really have minimum thresholds, it's readily tradable, liquid. So maybe maybe taking a, a step away from, from all the, the technicals, as a successful entrepreneur yourself, um, I'm curious if you would have any advice for you know young entrepreneurs out there or millennials looking to create something that's centered around their passions and their values? Mm, thank you. My first advice is, you know, go for it. There has never been so much help and content available for entrepreneurs. I really feel like um, entrepreneurship is so trendy that a lot of programs, a lot of resources exist now to support um, entrepreneurs. I would say look into programs, university programs or accelerator programs in the specific vertical that you are looking at and try to get into one of these programs to develop your idea and um, follow a structured way to develop your business. Mm. The second, um, and I guess the most important thing you can do as an entrepreneur is validate your idea. So whatever you have in mind, whatever your passion, whatever your 
business idea. Do not waste too much time into dreaming about the solution. Just um, spend enough time with your consumers and people who you are trying to help and make sure that what you're working on is really fixing a genuine issue, a, a genuine problem. This is really the first step. So that's my advice. Start with validation and go for it. I think that's that's really awesome advice. And, you know, I, I really can't wait to see where, where Bloom Impact goes as well. I guess the, the next question I had was, did you have any books or resource recommendations for our listeners out there that that maybe have helped you along the way or you thought would be would be useful for them as well mm. yeah there's one that comes to mind um it is called investing to save the planet by alice ross it's published by penguin business and um alice ross was a reporter for the Financial Times. It is an excellent book that really explains how you can make a positive impact with your money and how investing responsibly is one of the most powerful ways you can fight climate change. It is really well documented. It is um, easy to read. It has a ton of examples. So if you want to start your climate impact investing journey, well, join us at Bloom, first of all, <laughs> but also read this book, which will really explain to you how your money can make a difference. Awesome. Now I think I'll, I'll go ahead and have a look at that as well next time I uh, pop by Dimix. Just before we wrap up, is there, say, a quote that maybe you'd like to leave our, leave our listeners with? Um, that have maybe either sort of defined your journey so far or that you've drawn a lot of inspiration from? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I would. it's a very simple one and I do not even know. It's probably, you know, um, common, so commonplace that it's not even attributed to anyone. And it's when, when there is a way, when there's a will, there's a way, sorry. <laughs> it's very simple, but it's my motto. Whatever you are trying to achieve, if you know why, and you, if mm -hmm. you, if deep in your soul and your heart, um, you know that it is the right thing to do, mm -hmm. you will always find a way, and you will find the resources in your in yourself to be resilient and um, accomplish your mission. So yeah, that's it. When there's a will, there's a way. Awesome. I think that's a that's an awesome quote to finish off this uh, this chat with. Just before we leave, for our listeners out there who want to sign up for the app, how do they go about doing that? And also, I guess when can we sort of look forward to the official official launch? launch. If there's a, um, <laughs> of if course. There's a timeline for that. Yes, of course. Please join us at Bloom dash impact.com you can see all the information on our website you can join our community we have free events um, all the time about all of these fascinating topics um, you can sign up for the wait list which will make you the first one to know when we launch and we are targeting a launch in october so very soon that's really soon Three, three months away, actually. Exactly. Can't, can't wait for the official launch to come out. We'll be keenly awaiting. But awesome. Really, really appreciate the time, Camille. And, and thanks so much again for, for joining us on the podcast. Hopefully, this was a, this was a really insightful interview for, for our listeners. So thanks. Thanks heaps. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. 
Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you learned something new and enjoyed the episode as much as I did. While you're here, feel free to follow the podcast on social media at our Instagram account, The Impact Project. 